the Jewish Divorce Project. Because marriage doesn't always work out and chicken soup doesn't always help. Mm-hmm, the mystery. Um, speaking of mysteries, do you ever wonder about how your kids have been impacted by your divorce? All the time. Really? How so? When does it come So much so that I made a career out of it. <laughs> Might as well just streamline everything and be consistent. Yeah, it's such a relevant and prevalent question for me. A little bit less now as we move farther away from the divorce and the kids get older. But I think it was very impactful. And I, I'm not sure I did everything I could have done. And that's part of the reason my career is what it is of, hey, this is what I've learned from my experience. And divorce does have big impacts on children. It doesn't have to be trauma as traumatic as it sometimes is. Yeah, there's no question there's an upheaval, but I think you can transition it in certain ways that allows the kids to understand it and process it in the best ways that they can possible. And I, I, I don't know the long-term impacts it's had on my kids either, but uh, I certainly think that some of the things that we've done have have been helpful in that way. Yeah. Do you guys have, you? well, so, um, you know, from the very beginning, as I think about it, Tamar and I were very concerned about the impact of the boys. They, I mean, they love family. There's, you know, there's no getting around it. They just love family, the idea of family and being in a family and seeing family. And uh, we went to tell them, we, we, I mean, like I did a lot of research in terms of like what you should say and certain things you should include, certain things you should make sure not to say. Uh, we wanted it to be a combined thing. Like we both went to them and told them we didn't want it to be I'm telling them or she or Tamar's telling them. Um, you know, we wanted to make sure that, you know, while we still were in a family, there were still love, or at least while we weren't still kind of a unified family, we were still a family of a type, just like there are lots of different types of families, uh, somewhere the parents live together, sometimes where the parents don't live together, and they're not married to one another, just like there are families with two dads or two moms, or families of different races together. I mean, we were trying to just make them understand that there are different families out there. And just because our family is different from what might seem normal, doesn't make us weird at all, it just still makes us a family. And we just wanted them to have the experience of being able to kind of process it. Do they have other friends that are whose parents are divorced? Uh, you know, not as far as I know of. Uh, none of them have really come out and said, we heard you guys got divorced and we'd like to just say we're here. And, you know, if your kids want to talk to our kids or anything like that, that that hasn't happened. I did. I, I do have a friend, you know, I was playing Frisbee with him a couple days ago and um, he, uh, he offered for our kids to get together because he's divorced too just for the kids to get around and play. And I, I thought that would be nice because I don't think that they've actually played with anyone um, or socialized, particularly with anyone who's also from a divorced family. And that would be really helpful. So now looking back, you're a bit out. How do you think it has impacted them? I think, uh, I mean, I certainly think they've found a little bit of joy in it. 
they certainly cleaned up. They got some major toys out of the whole process of it. And when we were <laughs> they're, telling they're playing them, the game well, they, well, I don't know that they're playing the game. I don't know that they've been incredibly manipulative or anything like that or any more than any other kid normally is. But, uh, you know, I think because we gave them the space to process it, you know, that that gave them a chance to really kind of get some of those things out. So when we told them there was crying, right, I was crying, Tamar was crying, and, and, and then I think indicated or gave the boys the cue to cry and they got upset over it um you know and elijah wanted to throw a pillow and so he threw a pillow and judah wanted to scream and so he screamed into a pillow and so uh and then you know after it was really funny like they were doing the typical type of things that kids do which is that like they get all kind of upset and hysterical about it and then all of a sudden something you know snapped them out of it right like where like are you going to get a new house and so when I told him about getting the new house, it was, oh, you get another room and you're going to get another bed and we're going to get some more toys. And it was trying to make it a little bit more of a silver lining experience for them. Yes, we are going through this transition. It is a transition that other people have been through before. It may be a transition that some of your friends have gone through and there can be some benefits to it which is that you get this sense of adventure out of it. You get this sense of newness out of it, of renewal which weren't words necessarily that they understood, but I think they got the feeling. And I think that has given them a chance to just kind of, that from the get-go I think was really helpful because I haven't seen a lot of crazy outbursts or anything like that. I, I, I've seen a lot of, I think, what would be considered normal or typical things for kids to do. Like? I've seen, I've seen um, you know, Judah says things like, um, if he's upset at me, right, he finds it as a way to say, no wonder you're not married and you're divorced. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> that's terrible. <laughs> wow, that's straight to the pressure points. Ten-year-olds can really put it together. Elijah does things which are a little bit more heartbreaking. He says things like when he's sad, like, I wish you and mom were still together and married. And, you know, I have to remind him that that's not going to happen, buddy. You know, um, and those are kind of tougher moments because it's like reliving that first moment over and over and over again. And I think that's one of the typical things of younger kids, of younger kids. And I would love to hear your experience on this because you're the professional when it comes to dealing with kids and difficult situations. You know, I think for Elijah, it's still particularly sad. I don't think he fully wraps his head around it. I think he still thinks that some of it is temporary. And for Judah, I think there's a little bit of anger involved. I wonder if it's impacted his schoolwork. Um, I wonder how he sees himself in relation to his friends. I mean, part of the thing is that like, we didn't have too much time as divorced before the pandemic hit. So we've all been kind of isolated and he hasn't had a chance really to socialize with people too much to the point where the idea of his family being divorced and their family not being divorced would come up. So I don't know, but I'd be curious to know how it works out for him in that way. I certainly am curious, yeah. Yeah, it's such an interesting juxtaposition of the pandemic. It's just a lot of upheaval at one time. Or maybe it's like pull, ripping off a Band-Aid. Like, let's get all the trauma over and done with at the same time. That's not, that's not so bad when it comes to kids, I don't think. I mean, look, I, I'm all for easing kids into things. And I know that sometimes you have to prepare them. But I wonder if sometimes the Band-Aid just needs to come off. So it's just the pain is over with quickly. Well, it is with the divorce, but... I'm saying the divorce and then putting on top of that, the stressors of the pandemic of 
you know, I'm sure they're aware of the emotional stress that's going on and not seeing their friends and not seeing family the same way. And just a lot of life change. That's what divorce does for kids. It challenges their need for safety. And the pandemic did that also. So it just seemed like maybe it was a surplus of Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. Happening simultaneously. A double whammy. And if maybe yes. you can secure one or make them feel assured or safe in one, you can maybe hopefully, you know, well, turn I don't that think there's an answer to that. Like you could, oh. you had no control over either. You had no control over the pandemic and you decided to get a divorce. So, and you, you know, so that was happening. Both of those things were happening in their lives. It's just, it is what it is, right? Oh, so, you mean divorce as a result of the pandemic? Yeah. And those are on the increase now too. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. takes a pandemic to really show you how much you love someone, doesn't it? <laughs> or how much you miss it. them and how much you the love them. And how, tolerance. And how much you hate them, how much you really can't stand them. I hate you so much. I won't even be quarantined with you during a pandemic. Well, if you don't have good coping or communication skills and you're with somebody for that much time, it's like a pressure cooker. That's a good question, by the way. What's a good coping skill for kids uh, when it comes to divorce? What do you think is a good coping skill? Well, be more specific. Are there good coping skills for kids when they're going through divorce? That is to say, when they feel their world being turned upside down, their reality breaking, what can a kid do? You know, let's say the average 10-year-old, what could they do to help cope themselves through those circumstances? I mean, in general, I think it's never too early to start teaching children how breathing can regulate their emotions. Um, so there's great breathing techniques and there's so many resources online to teach kids the different types and cute little names like butterfly breath or star Mm -hmm. volcano all those things Mm -hmm. um personal favorite of mine is i'm actually holding a mug right now is a hot chocolate so you you simulate holding a mug and you take a big deep breath in through your nose smelling the hot chocolate and then you breathe out, you cool the hot chocolate. So you're inhaling through your nose. And then as you exhale, you cool the hot chocolate. So it's very you're visual, having, imaginative. Yeah. You're having hot chocolate right now. So are you coping with the fact that you have I am to not be having hot recording chocolate. this with me? <laughs> it's so cold in Florida today. And oh my I'm God. so excited. That's so crazy. I'm holding my hot mug. Yes, I'm doing my deep breathing. But you have kids that are also teenagers. I do. Well, the, he's a teen now. Well, two of them are teens. I have a 15-year-old and a 13-year-old, but they've grown yeah, <laughs> since the <right>. divorce. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> they, didn't, they haven't been this way for all this time. Right. And it has been interesting to watch how they've coped with it and having three and seeing that each one of them has kind of developed their own style and their own way of dealing with the divorce and with challenges in their life and they're all very unique and different. And their have, ages at the time affected how impacted they were. Has there been anything that really stands out to you that gave you pause as a parent, like a moment where they acted out or reacted to being divorced or realizing that they were divorced and you said, oh, that's interesting. Well, so more so in the beginning um, when it was just raw and fresh, it was just so much more painful. And I, I think the younger kids are, I kind of think the harder it is for them, I think they kind of get kind of lost in the shuffle where older kids, people are having more conversations with the older kids and they tend to have a a better understanding of what's going on. And younger kids don't often 
get that explanation in the same way, in a way that they can understand what's going on. So it's just all of a sudden life has changed dramatically. The important people in their lives are not with them in the same way. And children are incredibly egocentric. So everything that happens in their life, they think is about them or because of them. And then, you know, you develop these beliefs that dad left because of me or mom did this, you know, my parents couldn't be together because of me, which seems illogical to us, but as children, it makes complete sense. And so the older they are, the more they're able to move away from that. And I think that's why it's really impactful for younger kids who don't hmm. get, um, they don't understand it in the same way. How were the transitions for your kids? I know that they're different, you know, but did you, did you, what, what did you do about the transitions is what I'm suggesting. I mean, Tamar and I, I wanted to stay in Pasadena and I wasn't about to leave, right? She bought me out of the house and she wasn't about to leave Pasadena either. I didn't want to completely, you know, create another upheaval in the boys' life by moving to another part of Los Angeles and potentially having them switch schools or anything like that. Um, what did you guys do potentially to minimize transitions or at least to address transitions with them? We lived in the same city, town, um, initially. We were pretty consistent with our schedule. It kind of just became the way of life very quickly. What Something I wish I had done a little bit better was keep the kids more informed about the transition. So they have mm -hmm. these calendars now that are very visual and big and just would have given the kids more of a heads up, you know, like... Mm -hmm blue magnets and pink magnets. And then they can see there'll be a dad's this time and a mom's this time. And I had mentioned it maybe even two, three years ago to my kids, like, would you guys like that? And they said, yeah. And then I never really did it because it's just, in my mind, it's so um, consistent. Like you're, you know, it's with this consistent schedule with various right. random changes once in a while. But right. I think that visual of keeping them as part of the conversation and giving them a heads up and letting them know um, something that also, I've worked on is not to get frustrated when they leave things at the other person's house because um, it's not their fault. <laughs> Life is so hard. But then, it, and, you know, when you're the parent, you're like, oh, my God, you left your math book there. Why didn't you pack it? But it's, it's just life is hard. Moving back and forth must be so difficult and just kind of letting that go and being cognizant of what their experience is in going back and forth. Yeah, that, that was something that was of a concern to me. I didn't want them worried, first of all. They knew that I was going to move out. Like, that was something I said from the beginning, and that was something that was very worrisome to me. Just the image of a father leaving boys in that way was was scary to me. You know, maybe that's something that's worth exploring with my ther therapist personally, but I was scared about that for them. So I, I wanted them to see that I was actually going to a place, of course, a place that they were also going to call home as well. So there were several times where I took them to go see the place that I was moving to. There were several places that we didn't like, so a place that they liked, but I didn't like, and I had to explain to them what it was. I want a place that's safe for you guys. I want a place that's a relatively good neighborhood, right? For whatever we can find around here, maybe that there are other kids around, uh, but I would like it to be X type of place for us. And they appreciated that and they, and they understood that. And then we finally found a place and Elijah wasn't too happy about it to begin with because he saw a spider and then oh. he got over it. But of course the spider came back. So now he feels like the place is haunted, but nonetheless, the point is that like I brought them along and we found this place together 
And then once I got the place, I said, okay, now we're going to move stuff in. And we went, we went, picked up the truck together and then we loaded the truck together and we brought it over. We unloaded the truck. And then of course I had to separate them at one point because they got into a fight while I was unloading all these heavy boxes. And I was getting upset and frustrated because I was doing all this by myself and they were just kind of hanging out. And um, it was a lovely experience overall. But the point was that like, I adjusted them to the new experience by letting them know from the get-go what it was going to look like. And I think I that think that's great. Yeah, I think that gave them a place to know that I was going to be okay, that they were going to be okay, that there was a landing spot for all this. And so I would encourage anyone, if you have the opportunity to do so, if you're going through a transition like that, bring your kids along, show them what it looks like. Let them know that everything is going to be okay in that way. Yeah, my kids didn't get that. First of all, I was on the opposite side. So I stayed in the house. Um, their dad moved, but we were away for the summer. I had my kids and he found a new place while we were away. So just right. the timing wise didn't work out right. like that. Right. And so, yeah, I think there was looking back, I think there was a lot just put on them without having them being more part of the discussion and the experience. And, and I think being more inclusive in that to the degree of that reality allows is probably a good idea. Do you have, um, I, I wonder if it's important to have rituals, like rituals that you specifically do maybe as your unit, just you and the kids. Uh, but I wonder if it's important to have rituals because I know how much rituals mean to me and like sanctifying what's going on or at least marking what's going on. It's a way of processing it, right? That's why we have brachot. That's why we have blessings. We light the Shabbat candles, right? Not in order to light the Shabbat candles. You light the Shabbat candles in order to honor the experience, to mark the experience of moving from the mundane weekday into the, sanct the, 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 the sacred time of Shabbat, right? That's what we're doing. We're processing the moment of time, the experience that we're going through. And so I wonder if there are good rituals to also use when it comes to your kids in divorce. So when we first started, when we told the kids, you know, we wanted it to be on a Friday because Shabbat was important to us as a value to pass on to the kids. We wanted them to be literate in it. We wanted them to have that skill and that tool for when they get older to know that they could turn to Shabbat. And Shabbat is something that Jews do for rest. And we, so that's why we did it on a Friday. And so we knew that the news was going to be difficult for them, but we did it on a Friday so that we could move to the Shabbat as the comforting ritual. I think that helped out along the way too. I was actually really, I was really stunned. Um, uh, my eldest son, Judah at the time, right. He was uh, eight years old. And so, you know, he, uh, he was very happy for us to do Shabbat on that night because he loved Shabbat and he actually made a toast. He said, even though we're a divorced family, we're still a family. I've never heard him make a toast before ever. Wow. And it was remarkable. And uh, I, I was just so taken by it because uh, it let me know that like we had done the right thing. And I think continuing Shabbat, right? And it's not always perfect. There have been times I haven't gone over times Tamar hasn't come over. There have been times where it's been ugly because, you know, we just haven't set the plans and we said that we were going to do that and we got into an argument about it. Uh, but, you know, we've tried to maintain that as a stabilizing feature for the boys. And sometimes it's only 15 minutes. Sometimes I'll go over for only 15 minutes to light candles and give them the blessing for, the, for them to know that we can come together and, and just be there together as a family. The other things that I do are when I drop them off, I try to make sure, first of all, that it's a peaceful experience, that there's no kind of negative emotions involved. 
right? Sometimes it's a hard thing to see your ex. And so I go and I drop them off and I don't want it to be a tense situation with Tamar. So I keep things minimal and I hug them and I kiss them and I love them. And even before that, when we're still at my house, I'll make sure that we do two things. One is I'll apologize for anything that I may have done as a parent, right? Who's stressed out and tired and scared on their own. You know, I, I apologize for those things and make sure I say those things. I don't necessarily need their forgiveness, but I apologize. And then I also try to recount just kind of some of the fun things that we've done because I want them to remember that as we're leaving. I want them to remember that as I drop them off. And then when I take them to her house, I just don't like pull into the driveway and let them open the doors and let them run away. I get out of the car and I walk them to the door. And then I also give them a hug and I tell them that I love them because I want it to be a complete experience. Hmm. I've never heard that. That's beautiful. What do you think other people do? I think people just let it go. <laughs> I think it's a little bit more seamless. Um, mm. I mean, I don't know if it's a function of that we've been doing this longer. We often, the pickup happens through school. So it's sure. not that often that it's from each other's houses, but sure. just kind of more of a, you know, they spend time with me, then they go to their dad, then they come back here. There isn't all this ritual and transition. It's just getting, you know, that's just their life is like a sewn together patchwork of time in different places. And yeah. It looks yeah. like that's what it is. Well, I imagine they have everything they need at your house with the exception of some of the school supplies. So that's probably the stuff that they're transferring back and forth between you and your exes, right? They, yeah, it gets a little bit sticky sometimes, you know, if you have a favorite sweater or a nice pair of shoes and then, or if there's an event, you know, so they, the way that my schedule is set up is they spend more weekends with their dad because they're with me all week uh, for school and consistency. And so if there's an, a bar mitzvah or a, an event, they have most of their Shabbat clothing at their dad. So then it's like, oh, don't forget to bring back your shoes or that dress or that tie sure. that you want. Sure. So just being a little bit more on top of it and really um, it's my responsibility. It's not theirs. And yeah. Tamar and I have had uh, conversations about that and them lacking certain supplies that they need to bring. Uh, the other day, it was a computer charger. The kids have remote, they have computers for remote learning. And so uh, they need chargers for those. And Elijah forgot How it in my house. How far are you from each other's houses though? It's only about 10 minutes. Oh, okay. You know, I think the, the question is, do you really want to impede on someone's individual time? You and I talked about that a couple episodes ago about, you know, the sanctity of, the time without our kids, our personal time and how we take that seriously. And neither one of us really wants to impact that for the other person. We want to be respectful of it, uh, but I needed to bring it over. That's just what it was. And I wasn't about to point a finger at Elijah and say, kiddo, you forgot this, right? I've got to be the one who manages that and make sure that they have all their things necessary to go over to their mother. So it's not difficult for her. Yeah, I agree. You have to set them up for success, I think. I, I think part of what makes for successful co-parenting, and that is certainly something that, and we're going to learn more about this when we speak with Ben. I'm excited. and But that's what I think makes for a healthier environment for them. The, the healthier you can be with your ex, and I realize that it's very difficult. We've talked before about having absolutes, right? That if it's an unhealthy, text, toxic type of relationship that you had with your ex that still persists, there's no reason to put yourself in it and you should maintain healthy boundaries. But if you can, the, the co-parenting stuff, and that might be a really difficult thing to get over and achieve, that makes a big difference. I think it just clears the air about a lot. It removes all those other kind of really sticky things that can get in the way and I think impact the kids in negative ways too. So 
it's a really excellent question about how divorce impacts children. And it's usually on the forefront of people's minds when they're getting divorced. Of, and most, a lot of people stay in marriages for maybe longer than they wanted to or should have because they're concerned about the impact. And exactly to what you're saying, the research says that it's not the divorce that's traumatic or impactful. Mm. Mm. It's the conflict and the quality of parenting. And it's hard to be 100% perfect in either of those areas. It's hard to get divorced and not have any type of conflict. And it's hard to have the best quality of parenting, especially when you're in the middle of the, the divorce or immediately afterwards, because you have your own emotional upheaval that you're dealing with. But I think even opening up your awareness and being cognizant that those are the two realms to focus on. If you've decided to get divorced and you're divorced, it's done. This is your kid's life. This is their package. And I often say, I hope this is their biggest trauma in their life. You know, nobody has a life without any challenges or some kind of trauma. So in maybe in some ways we're preparing them for the, the, the stressors and the overwhelm and the challenges that life is going to throw their way, as long as we actually give them the tools to do it. And I think the two areas to focus on is, and we are having somebody on next week, Ben Heldfland, who wrote a book, um, Our Happy, what is it? Our Happy Divorce. Our Happy Divorce, yeah. yeah. And he is a fantastic story of working really hard to co-parent successfully and remove the conflict. And then- With having he, your own personal challenges too. I mean, that's some of the thing he brings up in the book. He says some incredibly personal challenges going through the whole process. Yes, and he used it for- right his growth. Right. And then the second area is your quality of parenting. And so how can you elevate? How can you do better? How can you take responsibility? How can you be more present? How can you give your kids? And sometimes, and research also shows that as frustrating as it is, it, it, one parent is enough. So if you're, if your co-parent isn't doing the best job then that you think that they can be doing, you can, you have to up your game and you can up your game. And Children just want to be seen, loved, and heard, and they will get over the divorce. My son actually did a stand-up comedy routine based on his experience of being a child. That would be funny. I would it love was, to hear that. It was so funny when he it was you know when he was thirteen. Really? He went to an open mic and did a. I use humor a lot as a coping skill. So no he kidding. Kind of, <laughs> he kind of ran with it and. It was really funny. And to me, I thought it was impressive to look at the lighter side of it. Of course, I would love to hear that stuff. I'd love to hear all the jokes my kids can make. And frankly, I would love for them to be able to make jokes like that. That to me is a, a healthy way of expressing, right? Much more so than, you know, inappropriate sexual behaviors or drug abuse or any other types of things that kids could act out, right? failing at school, trying to get your parents' attention in unhealthy ways, right? All the different ways that kids could express it. I would think that, you know, going to an open mic night and making some perfectly healthy jokes is a really wonderful way of getting it done and expressing yourself in really healthy ways. So I applaud that. I would oh, love to hear the routine. Hilarious. I'll send it to you. I but Thank you. The one thing I want to add to what you're saying, which I think is a really key factor yeah. in this discussion is that allowing our kids to express their feelings. And I like to say all feelings are okay, all behavior isn't. But mm. you know, to not minimize this feeling of anger is okay. What happened to them, having parents who got divorced will make you feel angry. It is, it is a frustrating experience. So allowing for that anger, allowing for that expression of all of their feelings without minimizing or saying, oh no, it will be okay. Or no, you don't feel like that. This is, you'll be fine but really letting that expression happen and validate their feelings, 
Now, if they act out and their behavior, that is further a different discussion. But when you say that part about good emotions, emotions are okay, right? They're, all emotions are okay and some behaviors are not. You think about that also as a parent, right? That it's okay to express your emotions, right? And for let your kids to see your emotions and to let them see you process your emotions and explain them in healthy ways as long as you can articulate them. But then there's also this element of the things that you don't want to do. And, and I think part of that positive co-parenting is also not speaking poorly of your ex. And you think about the ways oh. that they could interpret that. That may be obvious. It may be obvious to us. I don't think to a lot of other people it is. I think a lot of things can come out in snide ways, in ways that you don't necessarily realize that your kids can also pick up on. And, and, and you want to be careful of those things too, because I think about the longer term effects of those moments are, my God, my mom or dad, they hate each other, right? And I came from people that hate each other. And well, even more than that. So I have a close friend who's a child of divorce. Her parents got divorced when she was, in, you know, in elementary school. And she's been a very guiding factor for me. I'll call her up and get her opinion. And by the way, she played the divorce card her entire life. Like if she didn't do homework, oh, I left it at my dad's house. And mm. anytime she got in trouble, she whipped out that divorce card. To, she, so maybe we're giving our kids something a little bit fun that they can play with to look on the bright side. But one of the things she said to me that always stuck with me was when you degrade a, the other parent, the child knows inherently that they are 50% that person. So if mom hates dad, do they hate that part of me? And that's how that's that egocentric translation of if, you know, what about me? <laughs> I'm my DNA comes from there. And so if that's so detestable, does my parent feel that same way about me? And so even if you just really hate your ex and, and your co-parent, just think of it from that perspective of how talking poorly about them will affect your child's sense of self. So many tips that I think we could end up giving people that could be really useful. And I think part of it is um, knowing yourself and knowing kind of how you feel about scenarios and what exactly you are communicating to your kids about the divorce experience, what it's like for you. I think they can certainly know that it's impacted you in certain ways, how it makes you feel. So they know that how they feel about it is also legitimate and valid. And so that they can process it with you in healthy ways. And to also know that you're trying to get through it as best as possible, that it's a new scenario, that it's a transition for everyone. I think it's important to let kids know that you don't necessarily know how to navigate all those waters either and that it's difficult. And I, and I say to the boys all the time when I get frustrated that it's tough. It's tough being a single dad. I wish I had some help. I wish I had an extra pair of hands. I feel bad some of the time. I, I, I let them know that because I want them to have a sense of what my experience is without it being overbearing to them. So they know that they're not the only ones going through it so that they can also maybe see themselves in me in that way. But I think, I think those effects can actually be really minimized, at least the negative ones, with all that type of love and attention that you're talking about. And if you're willing to step up your game, like you said, then everything could be okay. I'm not an expert at this. My kids are still young at this. They still have a long time to prove this out. So it could be that in 10, 15, 20 years from now, I'm eating my words and I hope I'm not. But well, I think I, I've been, you know, divorced for eight years, right. three kids. There's always a while to go to actually see the long-term effects, but so far so good, yeah. I would say. Yeah. And I and I have 
been far from perfect along the way. I've learned a lot and I've yeah. upped my game. I've lost my game. I've, I've been up, I've been down certain, depending on the things going on in my life, it isn't always easy to be a 100% present yeah, quality parent. But I think that if, if you're trending upwards, then that's a good thing. And for sure, over the past few years, we've gotten so much better at having discussions about things. And my kids are older, so we have these fantastic discussions about yeah. the Lotus versus stuff and the past and reconciling and um, why things happened and how things happened and what things could have been different. Just lots of things to talk about. So mm -hmm. I really think it's that openness um, that can make the difference. Agreed, agreed. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing more about what Ben has to say when we speak to him. It's gonna be really wonderful to have that conversation. I'm so excited. Thank you for working with him to bring him on the show. I appreciate that. Yeah, so tune in next week, listen yeah. to our, our next guest who's fantastic. And keep in mind those two factors that what impacts children post-divorce is the conflict that you have with your co-parent and the quality of parenting that you have with your children. And see if there's areas you can tweak. Absolutely. And you can always reach out to us on the Jewish Divorce Project at gmail.com or www.jewishdivorceproject.com or find us at the Jewish Divorce Project on Instagram and Facebook. And you should also know, friends, and I think you do, that Sheva and I are both professionals. Sheva is a fantastic therapist. And if you have any particular questions about therapy and your kids, you should certainly reach out to her because she knows her stuff. Give her a call. And I'm on the path to become a divorce coach. So if you or anyone you know is going through a divorce and could use a little help and perspective and guidance, reach out to me as well. Reach out to us. We can be your resource, friends. We're here to help you, here to bring community together, and here to share some wisdom that we think could be really useful to you. Well said. Thank you very much. Have a great day, everyone. Good one. Mm -hmm. All right. Nice.